it's another great morning, and I've got everything ready to kick off a great day. Let's review the list. Birds chirping? Check. Green tea boiling? Check. My work clothes laid out for the week? Double check. Why, we've got my maroon sweatsuit for Monday, my teal lounger for Tuesday, and my white flannel onesie for Wednesday. Hold on a second. I think I'm seeing a pattern here. Has my leisure wear become my new wardrobe for the home office? Is it time for me to step up my fashion game? Well, lucky for me, we've got the perfect guest on today's episode to help me out with this. But first, I'll need to finish my daily kale and honeydew power smoothie. I'm Jeff Livingston, and this is ADP's Insights at Work podcast. Let's dive in. This is the podcast that looks at what's happening in the HR world, takes your questions and studies the research to help HR experts move forward. It's prepared by HR experts for HR experts. And today's Insights at Work episode is pretty special, not just because we've got an Instagram celebrity in our midst, but also because I had a reason to wear something else other than slippers and shorts to the home office today. Why, this shirt doesn't even have a stain on it. And I'd like to thank our guest for that motivation. Julianne Costigan is one of North America's premier fashion stylists. You've most likely seen her on lifestyle, entertainment, and fashion programs. You've definitely seen her clients on stage at the helm of North America's top 100 companies and strutting their stuff on the red carpet. She's the CEO and creative director of her own styling design firm, and a believer that accentuating your natural beauty in every aspect of your life creates a signature style that represents exactly who you are. Let's hope that my carefully curated ensemble today can live up to her high expectations. Welcome to the Insights at Work podcast, Julianne. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here, and I just can't wait to dive into so many juicy things about how to get dressed um, when today's workplace is just a little bit different. Julianne, you couldn't be more accurate. Things are different, especially with what we're now wearing to the home office. Julianne, there's two major social media influencers that have a lot of pull inside my household. I wish one of them was me, but I'm not that lucky. The first is teen pop sensation Jojo Siwa. Sophie, our delightful six-year-old daughter, is taken to sporting large bows in her hair and constantly dancing around. Thanks, Jojo. And the second is you. I've read your blog, seen your appearances on the talk show circuit, but this morning when I saw my wife leaving with what looked like a new JW PEI croissant top handle bag, I knew my role as influencer had been knocked down a peg or two. So for those of us who might still be wearing board shorts and sandals to the park on the weekends, can you please fill our listeners in as to what exactly a fashion stylist is and how you got into the business? A lot of people aren't familiar with the term fashion stylist, um, but to be 
concise. It is my job is choosing wardrobe for a person who needs help. Um, and that often can be in the commercial and advertising world that can be in the editorial world. So models in magazines. Um, and that's where I sort of started. Um, but recently in the last, well, I guess in the last 5 years, I switched my whole business from advertising and marketing and, um. Editorial styling into working with what I call women of influence. So women who understand that the way they dress um, impacts how they feel and how people see them. And it has a direct impact on their success, both personally and professionally. And I always say now, you know, I'll never be a doctor, but I feel like in a small way, I am a doctor with clothing and I use these things and I really make a difference in people's lives. And I love that. I decided to go to university and I went to Toronto, um, to Ryerson for fashion communications. And then during my time there, I interned at Pink Tartan, uh, Ramona Caveza, and I went to school in Paris and London. I did programs there and I ended up kind of getting into this commercial advertising styling world, which was great. And that's predominantly where the work is in Toronto is in these commercial advertising jobs. But I realized over time that it wasn't fulfilling me um, and I and I wasn't going to do it long term and I wanted to make a switch back to where I really realized that I had a passion um, within this fashion industry and so I decided to totally you know flip the switch I left my agency that I was with and I went off on my own and I just pursued all the women um, in my network and and talked to them about how I could help them and I realized that there are so many women who need my help. And so it's been amazing to transition my career from this advertising world into, you know, really focusing on working with women. And now I also work with brands who have a focus on these women that I help. So I'm really trying to become an expert in the field of women who want to just look great um, day to day and in the workplace. And they understand that they perform better, they feel better, and it really impacts their whole life when they just wear clothing that makes them feel great. So that's who I am. That's where I am today. And um, yeah, that's 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 my story. Julianne, it sounds like you've got a lot in common with the world of HR professionals and business leaders. You are helping empower others to make big breakthroughs of their own. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. And I think I've realized that over time, you know, style leads to confidence and confidence leads to success and that's really it it's it's as simple as that julianne you use the word confidence now i remember a shift taking place in advertising back in the mid-2000s i was teaching marketing in my spare time and i'd refer to the unilever dove soap campaign which employed regular people now it was neat because at that time we were seeing this new approach taking place around using regular people in advertising imagery. And I think the Dove campaign influenced other sectors to follow suit. I actually worked on um, a Dove campaign at that time and I got to work with, and we dressed them all in white, um, which was a big part of their campaign. Um, and I think that was definitely a pivotal point for me too, because I was still doing a lot of the advertising work. And that was a campaign that brought me back to my roots of working with real women, real bodies, um, and hearing their stories about, you know, things that helped them feel better about themselves. And everyone had a different story, whether it was beauty or, you know, a piece of clothing or 
you know, a coworker helped them or whatever it was. But um, yeah, I think that was a great campaign and definitely pivotal. And I think that now we're really seeing people own, you know, own their bodies, own their style and their individuality and bring that as their unique asset to the workplace. I heard that you're a brand new mother to a baby boy named George. So congrats on that. Welcome to the world of parenthood and visiting the local park where you will soon become accustomed to hearing the term, one more push on the swing, please. Julianne, tell me, when you're hanging out with George at the park, do you listen in on the other parents' talks about fashion and do you offer them advice? So I live on a street, I'm looking at it right now, with a huge parkette in front. And so I've met so many of my neighbors and become very close with them that way. And actually a lot of my neighbors have become clients of mine now because it happened exactly like that. I am just, you know, before George, just, you know, walking with my husband or, um, you know, stop and chat. And they ask, once they know I'm in the fashion industry, they always have questions and send me text messages or ask me. And then I talk about what I'm doing and and very quickly, yeah, they I give them advice and it leads to business because people realize they made that quick little change that I suggested and they felt so much better. And they understand that there is a real relationship between that. Julianne, a lot of us have been sequestered away working remotely for the last year since the pandemic hit. And one thing I've noticed is just how common it is to see parents wearing their pajamas when they drop the kids off at the bus stop in the morning and wearing those same pajamas again when they pick them up in the afternoon. Now, since this is the type of fashion I see on Zoom calls throughout the day, have what we considered business casual been taken to a whole new level? Something much more casual. Is business wear just for the waist up? I'm a true believer that wearing an entire outfit, you know, even if I'm not on, if I'm not, going to be on zoom with my video on I still get ready and get dressed and I put on mascara because that makes a difference for me and maybe it's not my full makeup routine or not my you know uncomfortable blazer or something that doesn't feel as comfortable but I'm definitely getting dressed from head to toe because I find it really makes a difference um I even bought you know what I would call fashionable slippers because I coordinate them with my outfits because it just makes me feel better. And that might be going to an extreme and not everyone needs to do that. But I, you know, I know a lot of people are only dressing, you know, top up, but I think that has a direct impact on your productivity in the workplace and how you perform um, because you feel different, you feel different in different clothing. So, you know, I wear, pajamas to bed because they're comfortable and they signal to me that I can go to sleep. When I wake up in the morning, I get dressed in something that is different from my, you know, work when my um, pajamas because I know that I have to be more productive. I, I'm able to just be more productive, I guess, in those clothing because that's the relationship I have with that clothing. I guess going back to that whole uh, relationship thing. And I have my weekend clothes and I have my, you know, sweatsuits or my Lululemons that I change into when I'm working out. And that's all because there's something mentally that triggers when you wear those clothes. And so getting to your point, I think that it's important to dress head to toe. And I don't think that, you know, dressing just top up will last that long. It's sort of a, I think it's a funny thing that people do. And it's, it is funny, but long-term, I don't think it's here to stay. 
Um, and, and I would encourage and challenge people to get dressed from head to toe and see if they feel different. And going back to my point of, you know, don't wear your uncomfortable pants, wear a black pant, get out of the black leggings for women, wear a black pant that's equally comfortable and stretchy and see if that makes you feel different. Because I, I guarantee you, if you track of what you accomplish on the day when you wear your pants in a full outfit versus when you wear the leggings, you'll see that there's a little bit of a difference in, in what you actually get done in the day. You are so right. When I get up and get changed and I put the right clothes on for the right job, for me, it makes a world of difference. During the week, a collared shirt puts me in the mindset of work. And believe it or not, on the weekend, I have a one-piece set of coveralls that I wear for working on the car or around the house. It makes me feel like I can competently take on any DIY task. Yeah, no, I think I think everyone can, if pay attention, they'll realize that they have that relationship too. But just most often people don't realize that they have a relationship with their clothing or that you can have a great relationship with your clothing and use it as a tool in your closet to help you achieve your successes every single day. Julianne, lately I'd say my relationship with my clothing has been one of long distance, probably because of the weight I've put on since the pandemic hit. Yeah, I know we all have that. What are they saying? COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> I think we all got the COVID-19, but, um, you know, getting out of the leggings helps get you into the, the regular clothes, I think. So, Julianne, talking about leggings, what is considered business casual nowadays? Has it changed? And what do you think we'll expect it to be when we eventually return to the workplace? Definitely not. I don't think so at all. I think that we are going to see some of the silhouettes or qualities um, that we love about our sweatpants and the comfies we're wearing at home, maybe right now being introduced into the silhouettes that we wear to work. So we're seeing actually that come into the, you know, the trend report for spring, summer and fall, winter, um, you know, jeans, some of the jeans we're seeing now have a lot more stretch to them or they have elastic bands versus, you know, button up. And so I think we're going to see that happen and we may see people wear, you know, if, if they're allowed to wear jeans to work and they have a, you know, business casual, maybe they do choose a stretchier jean or something like that. And I think those um, trends are are completely acceptable, but I don't think leggings, unless you work at a gym or you're in the fitness industry, I don't think we're going to see that happen. People might try it, but I think it's important to keep uh, a strong policy of getting dressed um, for the workplace. And I think business casual, I think we are going to see a lot of uh, offices become more casual. And I think that's okay because I think that there are still great ways to dress casual. So again, it's maybe we're seeing more relaxed blazers. We're seeing uh, no ties and pocket squares, but we're still wearing a shirt and maybe it's just not done up all the way. And a lot of uh, offices have already adopted those policies, but I think that we're going to see them in other industries as well. And on those days when you have big meetings, that's when you dress up. I agree that when I dress up, clothes not only make me feel a certain way, but I also think they help project a certain persona to others. What I'm wearing makes an impression, sometimes good, 
maybe sometimes not so good. I wonder how much someone's perception of me is affected simply by what I'm wearing. All these things help you feel a certain way, but also on the flip side, help people see you the way you want to be seen because that, uh, I think the clothing is not just about you, it's about how people see you. And that's what a lot of people also forget about is, you know, thinking about how do I appear? How do people, especially on a Zoom call like this, um, I think, you know, even just wearing a bit of color can help people remember you. But there's you, there's a fine line. You don't want to be loud and be the girl who, or the or the guy who, oh look, he wore that outrageous thing. He, what was he thinking? He looked hilarious. If that's not what you want to be on the Zoom call, so really understanding what people see you as when they see you in the clothing that you're wearing. So it, there's, I think, two sides to the story. And when you're, that's a huge part of me working with clients is helping them understand those perspectives. And some people feel really great in something that actually doesn't communicate what they want. And so I have to help them understand that. Julianne, what are some tips that you can offer that are going to make a difference in how I present myself starting today? Just simply steaming your clothes says that you are organized, you're polished, you care, you have attention to detail. By wearing something wrinkly, even if it's a really expensive suit or a blouse, you know, this is a Zoom call, especially right now, but even in person. And people look at those and then they think, oh, maybe she uh, is disorganized and she was rushing this morning and she didn't have the time to steam it. And I don't want someone who's going to rush an email and just send it to a client. That's not the type of person I want to hire here. And when I have those conversations with clients, then they quickly realize, oh, you're right. I never thought about that, you know, and, and those are really important details to consider. It's funny because I too have a little rule of my own about those little details. I aim to dress 10% better than whomever I'm meeting with. You could probably pick me out of the room by the height of my top hat. I, I'm definitely in your boat. I think overdressing to a degree is never a bad thing. And I think it, if anything, it just sets you apart. And, and there's a way to overdress in, a, in not a uh, loud way. And I would say that's the commonality between all of my clients personally. And they come to me and they say, I just want to look more professional. I want to be stylish and fashionable, but I don't want to walk into the room and be that person everyone notices. I want to be the person that everyone just always says, oh, she just has this, or he just has this effortless. He just always looks put together. How is that possible? It just seems so, you know, easy for him. Um, but it's not, it's never that easy. And there's a lot of little, you know, there's time and effort that goes into that. But that's what, to me, overdressing even just that 10% is. Julianne, you talk about having that one item that pops. One thing that I think all of us can relate to is the job interview. Now that the job interview has become virtual in most cases, what are some tips that you can offer to the candidate as to what they might want to consider wearing? So I think the first thing you want to consider is, you know, what are you interviewing for? And you never want to show up outdressing your interviewer or your boss, for example, but you do want to be potentially on their level, even if you are junior to them. So I think you, you really have to do your research and know what is the office culture like and, you know, 
what types of things are they wearing there um, or you know look at it and if you know it's casual but you think they should be kicking it up just a little bit i don't think that's a bad thing either but always knowing who your audience is so that's a huge thing i think a blazer is is almost always i think a great call it's just professional it's one of those uniforms across the board that says professionalism and i think when you're interviewing that's important now if you're interviewing to be you know um something you know a waitress or something where it's you've got a clear uniform i think if you're going to wear the blazer you wear something more relaxed but that's what i love about fashion right now is that there are so many versions of everything and so when i say a blazer across the board it doesn't mean that you have to wear a black suit blazer maybe you wear something that has a little bit of detail to it that makes it more casual or it has a casual you know fabric or, or fit or so really paying attention i think to who your audience is and then a blazer is a great call i think a white shirt is always is always great and clean and professional. Um, I think you know, also paying attention to, you know, hair, makeup, your, your beauty routine, even for men, you know, if you've got facial hair, just trimming it and making sure it looks sort of clean. And, and again, like you've put the effort into it. I think for me, those are the best pieces and best things to think about when going for an interview um, and also remember what is it in your closet that makes you feel great because at the end of the day you need to perform uh, for your interview and and don't wear a blazer if that doesn't make you feel great or search for a blazer that you feel different in i always uh speak about having a uniform for me my uniform which is sort of my armor the thing that i feel always 100 confident in is a blazer um, and that is because I have a brand, uh, Smythe, it's a Canadian brand. They hold my shoulders back in a way that just make me feel really powerful. And so I know that about blazers. And so I almost am always wearing a blazer because I love it and I feel great. Um, and then some sort of collared shirt. And I, in my industry, can almost always wear denim. Um, maybe not a ripped denim, but something, you know, dressed up. And you don't realize those things, they, they do set you apart. Um, and that might be what someone remember. They remember you because you had that sound walking like in, a squeak. and they paid more attention to you if they were. Yeah. And it, you know, they, it, you might be number 15 in 20 interviews and walking in with a little bit more presence and energy can, can make you really memorable. Well, thanks for the advice, Julianne. Now, let's say I get the job. Now, for many companies, the office dress code goes unspoken. I've seen instances where it quietly causes issues. And most of the time, I've had to sign off on acknowledging dress code standards. Julianne, do you think when bringing on new employees, it's important to discuss dress code and share your expectations for how employees should present themselves? And what should you consider when putting together a company's dress code policy? Yeah, I think this is a tricky conversation often for employers because it feels very touchy and it's hard to dictate what people wear, but you want to make sure that your brand image is, is um, communicated from your employees to your clients. And so I think the first thing you can do is really just start off by thinking about it that way, that your employee's image needs to be uh, needs to needs to um 
know, coordinate with the company's brand image because ultimately they are the ones that are client facing potentially and you need to make sure that they're communicating the right message you know what i think's interesting is that when i'm thinking about dress code policies from the hr perspective i'm sure that it's important to recognize that dress codes should never infringe upon protected grounds under human rights laws such as gender gender expression creator disability now I wonder if there ever would be different dress codes specific to certain industries. So it depends. I work a lot in the um, you know law and finance world, um, but actually when I'm creating these branding guidelines, it's actually more for creative fields. So architect firms, interior design firms, marketing firms, uh, advertising firms, um, those are the companies in the industries who tend to hire me for that, uh, because I think also there's more flexibility in the way you dress, whereas in, in law and finance, it's pretty, people know what they need to do. There's literally, I mean, in Toronto shops underneath all the towers that have all the clothes you need to buy with the brands you need. So it's a little bit more standard. Whereas I think in the creative world and fields, um, these are, there's uh, more opportunity for employees to dress as they want and kind of move away from what you want your brand to be seen as within you know, the, the workplace and with clients. With more millennials and Gen Z sporting tattoos and piercings now than any other generation before, it's rekindled the debate to a whole new level. I've seen studies that show nearly 40% of adults in the U.S. have tattoos and 61% have piercings. Clearly overlooking more than half of the population simply because of their appearance, as opposed to their qualifications, from an HR perspective, is both profoundly illogical and discriminatory. But how open-minded when it comes to diversity and personal expression in the workplace should we be? Julianne, should a business have a policy to avoid offensive skin art or piercings? I personally think this is a hard one to actually put into place, but again, I think it all comes down to making sure that your employees know the audience that you're speaking to. And also when hiring, that you think about that too. You know, I think the way someone shows up to an interview should be the best that they're ever going to look in your workplace. So taking that into consideration as well. Um, I think, you know, facial hair is not unprofessional anymore. I definitely don't think it's seen that way. Um, and I think a lot of men also use it to look a little bit older when they're younger. If it's manicured properly, it can actually look really great and it can be a nice way to for someone to differentiate themselves or um, just to, to look great. And I, I think facial hair is totally fine. As are tattoos, I think, again, we're moving away from the trend of, of I think, you know, if you have a tattoo on your arm, you have to cover it up. I think you have to look at the company you work at and and whether it feels right to show them off. I think most people still do cover them up, but I don't think that having tattoos makes you unhirable. But I think when you see someone in an interview and they show up and they have all their tattoos exposed, then you're going to have to know they're likely going to feel comfortable showing up to work with the tattoos exposed. And if you don't feel that that 
is something you're going to be uh, okay with in the workplace. You have to consider that. On a past episode of the Insights at Work podcast, we had Martha Bird, a renowned business anthropologist, as a guest. Before the podcast, I checked out her LinkedIn profile, and she had sleeve tattoos and tattoos across her chest. In fact, her profile picture had her wearing a vest so you could clearly see her tattoos. Now, I've gotten to know Martha pretty well since that podcast, and those tattoos, they're part of who she is. They're part of her brand. Her LinkedIn profile, it's a pretty accurate representation of who Martha is. Julianne, what's your recommendation for how someone's LinkedIn profile should look like? Well, I think a lot of people, I've noticed that a lot of people's LinkedIn profile pictures um, often are full body. And I think that because the profile picture is quite small, you should consider making sure that they can really see your face in it. I think another thing is, like you just mentioned, a girl wearing tattoos um, and clearly showing them in her profile image. I think when you look at that, you have to know that she is going to show up with those tattoos, that she's obviously making a statement and that's completely fine, but she has to know that she may be judged because of that and and um, also you know remembered because of that. And that those are two okay things. And I think also that says that she's bold, you know, and that and deliberate. I love that word that you just used because I think that's also something some people might be looking for. You know, they may have hired timid people in the past and they're looking for someone who just shows up as is, says it like it is, and that's what she's communicating in that in that profile image. So that's not a, it's not never a bad thing, but you should know that. And I think also asking people what they think of your profile image is not a bad thing either, because you might think it looks great. And others might say, I think you don't, you know, you look a little bit wrinkled or disheveled. Or do you know that exposing your tattoo says this about you? And as long as you're OK with that, then that's fine. I think our wardrobe changes a lot over time as we age and obtain more senior positions. I'd love to hear what wardrobe tips you have for the person who's just starting out in the workplace. And what are those foundational pieces that they should invest in? And then what fashion items that we need to purchase as we get older and obtain those more senior positions? When you're just starting out in your your career, I think investing in some quality pieces is key. Um, so a great blazer or a suit, if that's the industry you're working in. Um, you know, a comfortable pair of shoes. I think a lot of women specifically more than men wear shoes that are uncomfortable and you can tell when you see them and there's nothing more uncomfortable even as someone in the audience than watching someone hobble in in heels or shoes that they can't walk in. And it, and that impacts your posture, which impacts how you present yourself and what people think of you. And you're probably focusing on not being able to walk in the shoes rather than focusing on what you really want to talk about. Um, I think, you know, I, a great white shirt, a, you know, for men, a, um, a couple of, think about instead of just buying pieces, buy things that coordinate together so that you get more with less items. That's something that I'm really big on, uh, versatility. Uh, so keeping that in mind and everything that you purchase. So for women, it's a blazer, a great white shirt, probably, you know, a dress, uh, a great pair of heels or flats that are comfortable um, and a great, you know, black pants. And then for men, it's a great suit with 
you know, maybe one or two suits max um, with shirts and pocket squares and ties that mix and match uh, so that, you know, you can make use two suits and three shirts and make 15 outfits, you know, that's, that's the key, I think, when you're just starting out um, and investing in those pieces so that they fit you well and uh, they look great and last a long time. And then as you become more senior, I think this is actually where you get to have more fun with your wardrobe because you feel a little bit more sure about yourself, confident, um, you know who you are, you know why people come to you, why you're in the position you're in. So I think again, looking at those traits that differentiate you um, and buying pieces that are going to communicate that. So, you know, maybe like I mentioned, you're a little bit edgier. So why not find, you know, a blazer with a leather lapel or something that's a little bit more interesting. Um, that's when I think you get to invest in those pieces that are are just different. And what I, they're almost elevated basics, I would say, something just slightly more interesting. Um, I think that that's how you evolve your wardrobe over time. Julianne, from what I've heard today and from what I've read on your site and what I've read about you, style goes far beyond just what we wear, but how we smell, how we feel, and what we surround ourselves with. In our virtual settings, how does style extend itself into our Zoom and video conference call world? Well, you know, I love I love that you touched on uh, smell there because I do think, you know, all of your senses are a big part of how you show up. And when you're in person, the way you smell is a big part of that. But on Zoom, people can't smell you, obviously. So I think, you know, wearing clothes that make you feel comfortable and hold your shoulders back. So, you know, now people are looking at you probably more than they ever have before. And instead of noticing the way you smell, they might notice the way you speak. So looking at clothes that make you speak more confidently, and, and this is all so personal and so individual for each person. And so it's really important to track when you feel great in a piece of clothing or when people compliment you or say, hey, that was a great presentation you made. Think about, hmm, did that have something to do with the clothes that I wore? I got out of my t-shirt, I put on a collared shirt, and someone told me I, you know, hosted a better meeting than I did yesterday when I was wearing a t-shirt. Did that have an impact um, on the way they saw me or the confidence I brought to that meeting? So I think those are some of the other senses that we can pay attention to right now. Um, and like I said, you know, not just thinking about clothes, but having a shower <laughs> and, you know, washing your hair, blow drying your hair. Those are all little things that I think we can't forget about right now. Um, and and I mean, even on Zoom calls, I think, you know, your surroundings, what's behind you, that's a big part. Even you might have a great blazer on, but if you've got mess everywhere behind you, people focus on that and look at it. And, you and you know, it's better to just have a blank white wall, um, maybe be on your bed with your headboard behind you than to be somewhere where it looks really messy and, and kind of gross because people, A, probably won't listen to you because they'll be so focused on your surroundings. Um, but that's that's another part I think that's important to think about, especially right now. Julianne, if I could ask you to get out your crystal ball of couture, what would you predict things are going to look like when we eventually return to the office? So I, I 
have done a lot of research on this topic because I'm everyone is curious about how things are going to change when we all return back. Um, and of course it will change and be different, but I think a lot of people think it's going to be really casual and there may be some workplaces that do that. But I actually think the general population is going to want to wear all those clothes that have been sitting collecting dust for the last year and they're going to want to get dressed up. And if you look historically back at the Roaring Twenties, which happened right after the Spanish flu pandemic, I think that had a lot to do with people being stuck in their houses for I think it was two or three years and and probably not wearing all their great clothes or maybe they didn't have great clothes, but as soon as they got released and got to go out into the world again, they were looking for any excuse to get dressed up and feel really good and and have an excuse to wear, you know, lipstick and wear sparkly clothes or, or fancier clothes than they typically have. And so I think that we're actually going to see that. Uh, and when I talk to all my my clients and people through Instagram and social media, people are are dying to wear their nice things again. They just don't feel like they have a great excuse. So when we all get back to work, I think you're going to see everyone dressing up um, more than they would have before. Now, Julianne, before we wrap up with a list of your favorite things, do you have any last minute insights to share with our listeners around fashion in the workplace? Yeah, I think it's like feeling comfortable in your clothes is huge. And once women, I work predominantly with women, but I work with men too. Um, but as soon as you start to feel comfortable in your clothes, everything else falls into place because it's just, you stop thinking about how you look and you concentrate on really what you're an expert in. And, and that is generally the client who comes to me first. And then after she's like, wow, I, you know, I got a, I got a raise or I, you know, I got a new position since working with you. And I think some, and she said, you know, these, I'm thinking about one person in particular said, I think it's because now I, I just feel good about myself. And I don't think about, you know, not feeling great or not confident because I'm wearing clothes that don't make me feel that way. They actually wearing great clothes just allow me to focus on what I'm actually good at, why I was hired in this job. And so what I thought was a superficial sort of way to be and thinking about how you dress, I actually realized it's so much more than that. And that's who I work with. And that's why I think it's so important too. Julianne, I've had so much fun today and I hope you have too. Are you ready for my favorite part of the podcast where the listeners and I get to know just a little bit more about what makes you tick? I'm very ready. <laughs> okay, let's start with the first question. Julianne, what's your favorite tool to help get work done? So for me, it's definitely um, AirPods. Those help me multitask like crazy now, especially with having a baby. It's uh, important to be able to be hands-free. So that the AirPods help me do that. My Yeti um, uh, thermos is a huge part. I am one of those people who reheats her coffee multiple times a day. I can never finish it. So I actually have, I have my Yeti here right now um, because it keeps my coffee hot for an extremely long period of time and it saves me time from reheating it all the time. And then I use monday.com. It's a, a, um, a project management tool. And I found 
that that introducing that into my life, being able to get off text and email as much within all the projects I'm working on and delegate that way has made a huge difference in my productivity personally. Awesome. Julianne, what's your favorite resource to go to for industry information? So there is a, a resource called the Business of Fashion. And it was actually started by someone um, in Calgary and he started it I don't know, probably 15 years ago now, but it's a, it's an amazing uh, resource for all of, you know, anything you need to know about the fashion industry, it's there and they publish articles themselves and also publish other articles. So that's where I go to, to learn and keep up to date with everything that's going on in the business and fashion world. Julianne, what's your favorite music album of all time? I would have to say Tom Petty's greatest hits. It's 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 just always a classic for me. I just always go back to it. I always ha I I'm a huge music lover and I could list off a ton of albums, but I think if I could bring one CD with me on a road trip and I say CD because I don't know why I said CD. <laughs> I just think about myself, my like first car and putting that CD in. And that would be the CD I would bring. Awesome. I think I still use the term CDs, Julian. I think my road trip CD would be Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Yes, that is such a great album. That, is, that, was your that would be a runner up for me. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite toy as a kid? My favorite toy as a kid, oh, was a cash register. I, I have this... Um, I loved any sort of game where I got to be a cashier. And funny enough, I was always put on the sales floor in any retail job I had. And to this day, I still barely used a cash register. So I say that when I, if I ever retire one day, I would love to work at a grocery store in a small little town and be a cashier because I just, I have something about pressing the buttons and I don't know, it's just always was something I loved. Well, Julianne, that's the entrepreneur in you coming through. You know, when my grandmother was 90, I asked her if there was anything that she hadn't achieved in her life that she really wanted to. And she told me that her dream was to have worked in a hardware store. That's what she actually said. Oh my Very gosh. similar to your retail. Very similar to your retail yeah. experience. When you say hardware store, it sounds small town to me, which is what I mean about a grocery store too. It's like you get personal with people and you learn about what they're building. And, you know, they call and they need lumber and you place a, a a individual order for that lumber. I think about being at my cottage and like I would work at that hardware store too. I think that would be fun. And there's something also about the smell of a hardware store. It's wood and rubber and those two scents. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I love them. <laughs> okay. Last question. Now you've already given us advice on what to start out with in your wardrobe early on in your career. How about some advice that you'd give to someone just starting out in their career? Well, the piece of advice I always go back to and I think is worth telling someone else is something that my mom told me when I was young and it was, you know, someone can always be smarter than you. Someone could always be prettier than you, but no one can ever work harder than you. And that's something you're always in charge of. So I have always thought about that um, and you tried to use that to my advantage in my industry and in anything that I worked on. And, and I, and I do believe that hard work pays off. And so I think 
it's a great piece of advice because hard work costs nothing and you can always do it. So, and it goes a long way, especially right now, I think. <laughs> well, it does go a long way and it's clear that you put a lot of hard work into coming on the podcast today. And I really appreciate it, Julianne. Oh, of course. I'm so happy to be here and I hope that you know, what we talked about today can be helpful for other people. And, you know, I think it's really important. And I think your wardrobe is a really great place to build your personal brand and your personal image and, and use it to your advantage. And not enough people do. So use those tools that are in your closet and, uh, and see what kind of changes you can make um, in the workplace and in life. And this is the part of the podcast where I thank everyone for listening in. I know it's tough to find time to carve out for thought leadership, and I appreciate you, the listener, for making the time for us. Anything we can do to help ourselves get better at something is time well spent. On our next episode, we'll be talking with more HR experts about today's most important HR issues. I'm Jeff Livingston. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind. We'll see you soon on our next episode of ADP's Insights at Work.